Welcome to the Niche Podcast, your weekly rundown of the biotech, pharma, clinical research, and life science industries. I'm your host, Dr. Noah Goodson. This week, $1.5 billion deal, $1.9 billion merger, protein degraders get backing, an old bird has new tricks, and another billion dollar valuation for CRISPR. The views expressed on the Niche Podcast are those of the host and guests. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any organizations or companies with which they are affiliated. Hi, folks. Sorry for the delay in this episode. I went on vacation for the first time since 2018. If you haven't tried it, I've got to say they come highly recommended. I love my work, and it's exciting to keep up with what's happening in the industry. But a week staring at the ocean was absolutely the kind of refreshment I needed. If you didn't get a chance to listen, I posted an interview with Sam Searcy, and I definitely recommend you check it out. He's a businessman, entrepreneur, and former North Carolina state senator. Now, I'm happy to be back on our normal schedule. Get ready to keep hearing about RNA-based innovations for the next decade. Of course, we're all familiar with RNA vaccines at this point, but there's a ton of other gene therapy-like technologies sequestered in think tanks and universities that are only now beginning to emerge into potential therapies. ProQR has an axiomar RNA editing pipeline that allows for single nucleotides of RNA to be edited by co-opting cells' natural RNA editing abilities. Adenosine denomase action on RNA, ADR, is present in human cells and can convert adenosine, A's, to the oligonucleotide inosine, I. When RNA is being translated to a protein, the I is read by the cell as a guanosine, G. This A to I technology therefore functions as an A to G mechanism. The real power of ProQR's Axiomer technology is that it uses a manufactured editing oligonucleotide to attract the endogenous ADAR technology. This is basically targeted A to I technology, allowing for specific edits in thousands of diseases where single nucleotide polymorphisms are a problem. Unlike gene therapy, this acts only on the RNA, meaning it can be dosed, controlled, and is likely reversible. According to ProQR, there are more than 20,000 conditions where a single A to I edit could provide a significant treatment. This therapeutic panacea may not be quick to market, but it does present significant possibility for extremely rare diseases to be treated through a customizable pipeline. I'm not sure regulatory agencies will be prepared for that level of customization in this decade. Instead, ProQR will pick top targets and generate therapies for them to substantiate the effectiveness of ADAR-based technologies in treating single nucleotide polymorphism-related diseases. I think one of the promising aspects of ProQR's approach is that it largely co-ops an existing biological mechanism. While there are potential issues with this, for example, changes in cellular regulation of ADAR over time in the treated group, there is also major potential advantage by only plugging in a single piece to a larger cellular process to drive therapeutic modifications. This might seem like basic small molecule medicine that's been around for a long time, but in the genetic diseases space, therapy is rarely this straightforward. ProQR has chosen to approach diseases of the eye with their lead candidate for the treatment of CEP290 Libra's congenital amaurosis. 
I'm hugely biased based on my PhD, but the eye represents an incredible venue for many of these therapies. There are automatic lateral controls, you have two eyes, it's easy to inject therapies, intraocular, and it's by and large an immune privileged tissue. I'm personally excited to see the results from ProQR's current phase two, three study, as well as their broad pipeline. Eli Lilly clearly sees similar potential. That's why they've signed a deal giving ProQR 50 million upfront with milestones up to 1.25 billion and royalties after commercialization. ProQR may be early in the process, but this kind of backing provides the security they need for commercial development. Sanofi has announced the $1.9 billion acquisition of Cadman Holdings. Cadman's primary asset, Reserock, has been approved by the FDA to treat adults and children 12 plus with chronic graft-versus-host disease, CGVDH. CGVDH impacts a high percentage of hematopoietic cell transplant patients when immune cells attack the grafted cells. There are approximately 5,000 new patients with this condition each year, and Reserox suppresses the autoimmune response and attenuates the fibrotic disease processes. For Sanofi, this expands their portfolio in the general medicine immune suppression space. Reserox is currently in additional clinical studies for the treatment of diffused cutaneous systemic sclerosis. The deal is pending shareholder approval and due process. Lycia Therapeutics has closed a $70 million Series B. This raise comes close on the heels of the partnership with Eli Lilly, announced in August to develop targeted protein degradation that gave an initial $35 million investment. Lycia's platform is based on the degradation of extracellular proteins, including cell surface, signaling molecules, and secreted proteins. Currently, there's little information about their targets of choice. With this funding round, the expectation is that they develop a clear pipeline for commercialization across the next year before garnering additional funding for clinical trials. After an individual pipeline investment and participation in the Series B, Eli Lilly will probably remain a major stakeholder. Now the question is, what proteins are they hoping to degrade? Bluebird Bio has been through a lot over the last few years. Once a rising star in the gene therapy space, their shares have since fallen from a peak of $231 per share in 2018 to just $18 a share today. This rise and fall have been driven by challenges to gain approval, delays in approval by the FDA in some of their lead products, and most recently, a rapid backpedal from European markets immediately after their therapy, Elicel, was approved. Without getting into details, they are largely in a slow spin, trying to gain approvals and generate cash flow again. In the midst of this, they've determined to spin off a company, 270, to cover their growing oncology portfolio. With Bluebird failing to take flight and a ripe oncology pipeline, this is probably a mechanism of protecting the eggs in their portfolio through a novel company to ensure investment growth and shave off some of the R&D costs currently dragging Bluebird down. While there may be issues of corporate governance or strategy, I think this is more likely a cautionary tale for investors. Gene therapy is incredibly complex and a largely unknown space. There are huge challenges ahead that we as a scientific community simply do not know about because we haven't hit the brick wall of biological implications yet. 
I'm not sure about the fate of Bluebird, but I do expect additional fits and starts across the industry as solutions run into biology. If successful, their spinoff 270 will probably try to gain wider industry partners to fund the pipeline through commercialization. However, I can't imagine Bluebird bioinvestors feeling super keen on 270 flying the coop only to become wildly successful. The CRISPR technology creator Mammoth Biosciences has raised a $150 million Series D with a $1.5 billion valuation. The company has been hard at work producing novel CRISPRs for a vast range of diagnostic and therapeutic applications. They now have CAS-12, CAS-13, CAS-14, and CAS-5, which I think is pronounced CAS-5. Both CAS-14 and CAS-5 are tiny, presenting numerous additional applications and delivery mechanisms. How Mammoth will deploy or license these technologies is yet to be fully determined. Like other companies positioned in the bioscience space, they appear open to applications far beyond healthcare, including agriculture and, according to their website, biothreats. Innovative, specialized gene editing solutions will continue to expand across industries in the coming decade, and Mammoth wants to help lead the charge. Thanks for joining me on the Niche Podcast, your weekly summary of the top news in the biotech, pharma, clinical research, and life science industries. You can learn more at thenichepod.com or find us on your favorite podcast app. Like, comment, subscribe, and most of all, share with your friends. If you like what you hear, please rate and review. It really helps us. Once again, I'm Dr. Noah Goodson. I'll see you next week. Next week.